I'm excited to have the opportunity to open up God's word with you this morning. So uh, before we do that, let me ask you a question. How many of you have heard of ChatGPT? Have y'all heard about this? Okay, yeah, so there's a few of you. Okay, so here's, okay, if this is your lane, if this is your world, um, I'm gonna try to explain this, but this might be painful for you, okay? So ChatGPT stands for Chat Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. I don't know what any of that means. Okay, the only transformer I know is Optimus Prime. So that's, the, that's, that's what I'm working with here, okay? So, um, so what it, but my understanding, what I've been reading about is that this is a chat bot, all right? So that utilizes AI learning that's kind of compiled um, all the information on the internet and it's designed to answer your questions. So you can ask it any question and it'll give you an answer. Man, this thing is crazy versatile. I mean, it will write computer programs. It will translate languages. It will write essays. I mean, you could just go in there and just say, I want a summary of To Kill a Mockingbird. And it will just spit a perfect summary out for you, To Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, it's crazy. So when the, when the company launched this back in November, um, it was valued at $29 billion. So that's, that's quite a lot right? It also confirmed in me something that I've known for a long time. Robots will rule the world. <laughs> Robots will rule the world. Do not trust them. So right now they're vacuuming your floors. They're mopping your floors. It's real nice and they're super helpful and kind, but don't trust them because that's just the beginning. All right. That's just the beginning. Well, we've been walking through the series of the last couple of weeks called Intake. And we've been looking at the types of sources that we are using for our information, like ChatGPT. And so, and what we've been doing is we've been kind of taking a step back and looking at those and seeing, I mean, where does the Bible fall in those list of sources? Is it the top of the list? Is it the bottom of the list? Is it even on the list? And so we want, to, we want the Bible to be a primary source of information for you. And so what we've been doing is going through Psalms 119. So if you got your Bibles, let's go to Psalms 119. We're gonna be in verse uh, 33 through 40. And my hope is that as we go through this, man, we will see the psalmist, man, love and desire to, to know God's word, to treasure God's word. And my hope is that as we walk through this and as you spend time in God's word, that your love and affection for God will grow. Because we know it's not just about the words on the page, it's about who the words on the page about, Amen. So, and as we go, this is there's three things that I, I hope will happen this morning. Three things that I want to increase in your life. One is the desire for knowledge, the desire for discipline, and the desire for God's presence in your life. All right, so we'll talk about each one of those. So verse 33, we're just gonna read our whole section down to verse 40, and then we will chat, all right? So verse 33, here we go. Teach me the way of your statutes, Lord, and I shall comply with it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may comply with your law and keep it with all of my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Turn my eyes away from looking at what is worthless and revive in me your ways. Establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. Take away my disgrace, which I dread for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. Okay, so the first thing that I would hope to, that would increase in our lives as the intake of God's word increases is our desire for knowledge. 
So right here we see the psalmist has a desire and a love for God's law and God's statutes that he wants to grow in the knowledge of God so that that will affect and change his everyday life. Right? And this just kind of speaks to who we are as humans. Man, we love information. We, man, we, are, we are crazy about it. We, in fact, we are addicted to the access of information. If you don't believe me, let me ask you a question. All right, so how many of you, when you're watching a movie or TV show, uh, spend more time on your phone looking up information or stuff about that movie or TV show than actually watching the movie or TV show. Yes, I am 100% guilty of this. Because this is, here's what happens. Here's how, here's how this happens for me. I see that actor and I'm like, what else has he played in? And I open up my phone and I look and I'm like, oh, he's played in that. And, like, and then I just, that's just a rabbit hole that I go down. It's like, it's like, he's how old? He's married to who? And I'm like, you start reading the backstory of like how this movie was made and where it was filmed. And the next thing you know, it's been 30 minutes and I hadn't even watched. And I look over to my wife and she's reading on her phone. And I'm like, well, what are you reading about? She's like, well, I actually just read ahead and found out what happens in this movie. I'm like, why are we watching this? Like, what is the point? Like, you know what's gonna happen. I'm not even watching. Let's just turn this off. Like, this is just, this is just pointless. <laughs> so that's, we love access to information. We want to be in the know. I mean, who doesn't want to feel like the smartest person in the room, right? I've never felt that, but it'd be nice, right? It'd be nice to be that guy, be that guy. So what do we, look what this says here in verse 33. It says, teach me the way of your statutes, Lord. And then in 34, he says, give me understanding, Okay, so here are my thoughts. And this is speculation, um, so it's worth about as much as zero. All right, so that's what it's worth, all right? But we don't know who wrote Psalms 119. The author is unknown. But many scholars believe it's one of three people. It's Ezra, David, or Daniel. Based on some criteria, they believe that they could be one of, the, one of those guys as the author of Psalms 119. So let's think about this for a second. For each one of those guys, I'm going to guess, and I think it's a pretty good guess, that none of those guys are dummies when it comes to the law, right? So let's think about each one of those guys. Ezra, he was a priest, kind of his job, okay? That's what he did. All right, David, king, he's a man after God's own heart. He's also, I mean, he is the most powerful person in the land. He has access to the greatest thinkers and minds and scholars that he could ask any question that he wants and they would give him the answer. Or Daniel, Daniel is a prophet, a literal mouthpiece of God. God would speak through Daniel to his people. So I think they're no dummies when it comes to the law. In fact, they probably spent the majority of their life learning, studying, and practicing the law. But yet, what do we see here that the psalmist says, I go, he's going to the Lord. He says, teach me, teach me, Lord, give me. He understands that God is the source of knowledge. He doesn't want to rely on earthly wisdom. He wants to go to the one who holds all the wisdom and that's God himself. So who do we look to? Do we look to earthly wisdom when it comes to things in our, our family, the things in our, our finances, the things that in, our, in our lives with our kids and our marriage? I mean, what do we look to? Do we look to earthly wisdom or do we look to the wisdom of God? And what the psalmist is saying, man, turn to the wisdom of God, turn to God's word. And that's where you will find God's wisdom. And so notice something else with me in this passage. It says, teach me. And then he says, and I shall comply. Give me understanding. And then he says, and keep it with all my heart. So the psalmist's desire to intake, intake and download the wisdom of God, 
the source of all knowledge, but there's also an act, a promise to act on it. He promises to act on it. He says, teach me and I will comply. Give me understanding and I will keep it. So if we simply just desire knowledge for the sake of knowledge, then we're missing it. We're missing the mark. Because what do we see in the, even in the New Testament? What does it say? That we're not just to be hearers of the word, but we are to be doers. That's right. We're, just, we're not to be just hearers of the word. We are to be doers. Because so many believers, and honestly, maybe even some of us in this room, have spent literally decades reading God's word. But yet there's so many times that we don't apply it to our lives. You spend decades filling your head full of knowledge of God, but yet, man, you've never shared your faith with a neighbor or a friend or a coworker. And some of us, maybe we have been to 27,000 Bible studies. We even went to a Bible study about a Bible study. But yet, man, we've never discipled a younger believer. And the knowledge of God requires action. So can I ask you a personal question? As Sherm would say, what are you studying for if you're never gonna use the information that you're learning? I mean, really, what are you training for if you're never gonna get into the race, never gonna get into the game, never get into the fight? What are you training for? What are you learning for? Because it is, the application is just as important as the understanding of the information. Because here's my prayer for us as a church, for you individually, is that we would be exactly what scripture says, that we would be hearers of the word and we would be doers of the word. Because that's what the world needs. The people in your circle of influence, your family, where you're at, at your, your job, they need you to be a hearer of the word and they need you to be a doer of the word. So right here in Parker County, for us as a church, this place, this community needs this church to be hearers of the word and doers of the word. That's what God has called us to do. That's what he wants us to do. May we act on the knowledge that we learn. All right, so the next thing that should grow in us as we read Psalms 119 is our desire for discipline. Our desire for discipline. Okay, some of you rule breakers in the room, as soon as I said that, you're like, yeah, I don't like that very much. That's a little uncomfortable because when you think about discipline, you think about somebody like this guy. Like this is what you think about when you think about discipline. You think of somebody who is a drill sergeant in your life, right? You think about this guy. Now, listen, I'm not necessarily talking about this, but hey, you might need this person in your life. I don't know. This may be super helpful for you to have someone falling around, barking orders at you. Maybe we could start that ministry around here. That could be interesting. But no, what I'm really talking about when it comes to desire for discipline is our human nature of thinking that we can do it on our own, that we don't need, we don't need help. I mean, we're, we've got this. I, I don't, I, you know, I'm... I'm never wrong. I don't need help. But look at, back in Psalms 119 in verse 35. He says, make me walk in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. So let me let you in a little bit of a breaking news this morning. We are stubborn, hard-headed fools. Did you know that? There you go, welcome, all right? So we are stubborn people sometimes. 
I saw someone post this uh, on Facebook. This is the top three things that's the hardest things for us to say. So I'm sorry, I need help. And we're sh- I'm just not gonna even try. I just, I don't know. I don't know how to say that. I never, I feel like a fool every time I'm trying to say that word. Um, but man, it is tough. Man, it is hard for us to, to say, man, we're wrong. We need help. Because here the psalmist loves and pursues the law of God because he knows that it will produce correction and refinement in his life. And it's the acknowledgement that that correction and that refinement is gonna come from outside of himself. Right? It's not this internal, like I can just white knuckle this, I can do it on my own, I can read the self-help book and it's gonna be all great. No, he's, he's saying, God, it's gotta be you. You're gonna have to do it. You're gonna have to make me. You're gonna have to incline me. When I get off the path, you're gonna have to help me. And as we grow in the knowledge of God, we should grow in the knowledge of our brokenness and how much we need God to do that in our lives. For those of you in the room this morning who may not know Christ, I just wanna speak to you for just a second. As you read God's word, what I hope that you see is that you are a sinner separated from God. I know that sounds harsh, but man, this is the gospel, okay? We are sinners in need of a savior. You cannot do it on your own. You can't be good enough. You can't achieve it. You can't win it. You can't do it. You have to rely on what Jesus has done for you. That he came, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again. He's seated by at the right hand of his father. And man, he has made a way for us to be right before God. And if you place your faith and trust in him, you can stand, you, you're, you can be made right before God. That's the message of the gospel. That's what I hope that you see when you read God's word, that we are broken people and sinners in need of a savior. And if that's you, man, I pray today is the day that you say, you know what, I'm done. I'm done trying to do it on my own. It's time for me to put my trust in Jesus. If that's you today, man, let's do it. All right, let's talk. I would love to have that conversation with you. For us in this room that are believers, it should be, as we read God's word, man, we should, our desire for God's correction in our life should grow. Man, we should desire that process of refinement in our lives. As we pursue holiness, as we pursue righteousness, is that sanctification process is that every single day that we hope to look more and more like Jesus. And now that process is hard, it's tough, it's not easy. We don't like being told that we're wrong, but man, it is so, so important for us to grow as believers. Don't just ask the questions, get ready to act. And say, God, help me, where am I wrong? Where am I off? Help me get back on the right path. All right, so the last area that should grow in us as we seek to increase the intake of God's word in our life is a desire for his presence. Desire for his presence. Let's look at verse 37. It says, turn my eyes away from looking at what is worthless and revive in me your ways. Establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. Take away my disgrace, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. Okay, let me just ask you the the obvious question from this passage. What are your eyes focused on? What are they focused on? Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. So where is your attention focused? 
It's clear that the psalmist's desire here is that he would be focused on the things that are not worthless, but the things that are worthy, worthy of the Lord, that are ultimately eternal. That's where he wants his attention and his effort and his energy and his eyes to be focused on. I'll let you in a little bit of a, of a gut punch I had as I was working, for, working on this sermon and preparing for this. Um, you know, honestly, I don't desire the presence of God in my life like I should. I don't. Now, yes, as a believer, I understand. I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is always with me. He'll never leave me. Intellectually, I understand that. I get it. But as I was reading this and thinking about this, the questions that God kind of began to ask me were, do you remember me? Do you look for me? And honestly, guys, I didn't like the answer to those questions because I get so wrapped in up in the stuff that I want to do. And I forget to look for him and desire his presence in my life. And as I was sitting in that coffee shop and working on this sermon, God brought me to, uh, brought Exodus 33 to mind. And at first I was like, God, I don't have time for this, right? I'm getting this sermon. I have a deadline. Like this is a detour. Like this is not what I need to be doing right now. And then I remembered point number two of my sermon, something about discipline. Yeah, I was like, okay, fine. All right, whatever. So Exodus 33. So I, I began to read it. And let me, before I read, I'm gonna read a little bit of that to you this morning. Before I do, just give, me, give you a little bit of the backstory. In chapter 32, Moses has been up, up on the mountain with God, meeting with God. And, he, and the Israelites are down in the desert and, and they're just like, Moses is taking a little too long. We don't like this very much. So in the meantime, we're gonna build a golden calf and we're gonna worship that. That seems like a good idea, right? But when, but, and then Moses finds out, when Moses sees this, man, he is angry. And God is angry. In fact, God's like, you know what? It may be time just to kind of wipe all of you out. Let's start over fresh. Because that's how mad God was. And then Moses begins to plead with God for his people. And eventually God says, you know what? Go, continue on your journey. And that's where we pick it up in chapter 33, verse one. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst because you are an abstinent people and I might destroy you on the way. Okay, so here's what God says. God says, listen, I'm a God who keeps his promises. I promise this land to you, go and take it. In fact, I'll even clear out all your enemies on the way and you can have it, go get it. But here's the deal. I'm not going with you. I'm not going, you're on your own. And Moses' response to this is something that I've never really paid attention to before. And he responds to God in verse 15. He says, then he, Moses said to him, said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. And here's what hit me. See, the thing that the Israelites had been pursuing, the thing that they've been focused on since God brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery, the thing that they've been seeking after, the promised land, the thing that symbolized their comfort, their security, their blessing, their promise, Moses says, God, if you're not with us, we don't want it. We don't want it. 
God, if you're not gonna go with us, we don't want it. Because what Moses realized was that God's presence was the promise the whole time. It wasn't the land that was the prize, it was God's presence. What he realized is better to be in the desert with God's presence than in the promised land without. So for me, I had to ask myself, man, what's the promised land for me? What are the things that I'm focused on, the things that I'm seeking in my life, that my eyes are fixed on? And if God says, you know what? Hey, Chris, guess what? You can have it, take it, but I'm not in it. What I still want it. Think about the things that you're pursuing in your life, the things that have your attention, your energy, your effort. If God says, hey, guess what? You can have it, but I'm not in that. Would you want it? Because guys, it's better for us to be in the desert with God than in the promised land without. So what God is saying is seek the things, but let your eyes be focused on the things that I am in, that he is about. That is what God wants for us. So as we, as we land the plane here, and as we kind of have to put the landing gear out and the, where the rubber has to meet the road. So how do we do this? So how do we grow in the desires in these areas of our life? And honestly, guys, I spent a lot of time over the last week or so trying to think of a really creative way to tell you to, to, how to do this. That you would be, it would just be like a light bulb moment for you that you're like, man, I've never heard that before. That is ingenious. Like that is awesome. But I think, you know, I, I think I have it. All right, you ready? Read the word, read it. At first when I was like, I was like, oh, okay, guys, is there, is there a better way that I, what, what, is there a better, more creative way I can say this? That's probably gonna be predictable, but that's the answer. That's all I got. And it, that became more and more true and clear to me as I thought about it, because think about this with me. Why is it so painfully hard for us sometimes to build into our lives the habit of reading God's word? It is, let's just be honest. My cards are on the table. It's hard for me too. Right? It's hard for us. I mean, we have so many habits in our lives. We have work habits, we have exercise habits, we have eating habits, we have friends. We have, I mean, all these things, habits that every single one of us build into our life. Why is it so hard to build into the habit of our life reading God's word? I'm, like I said, I'm right there with you. Man, when I sit down to read God's word, I just sometimes sense my mind wandering. I get distracted. I mean, I, get, I start thinking about cleaning the garage. I hate cleaning the garage. Why am I thinking about cleaning the garage? This is not natural. But here's why. Because there is nothing more that Satan would love than to keep God's people from reading God's word. Nothing more. Because he knows. He knows if you do, your desire for the knowledge of God will grow. Your desire for God's discipline in your life will grow. The, the, that sanctification process, you will desire holiness. You will desire righteousness in your life. Your, your awareness of God's presence in your life will grow. He knows that. He knows if you read it, you will change. And he doesn't want that. And he will do whatever he can to keep from God's people from reading God's word. So if he knows that, why don't we? If we know that God's word will change us, so as we think about this, as we build into these habits in our life, we increase the intake of God's word in our life. As fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, 
Man, let us treasure God's word, just like the psalmist did, does here in Psalms 119. Let us treasure God's word because he knows, because it, we know that it will change us. And we know it's what the world needs around us is to be people that follow after the Lord. We are hearers of the word and we are doers of the word. Amen? Amen, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And God, we thank you for, for who you are. Um, God, we thank you that, man, that you provided a way for us. As we, as we read your word, as we, as we look to your word, God, we see that we are broken and we are sinful people and we are people in need of a savior. And God, we just thank you that you provided a way for us. Um, and God, I, I just pray that, that we would be people that would be full of the knowledge of who you are, but be quick to act on that knowledge. God, you would allow us, I mean, you would help us to seek out correction, your correction in our life. That we would desire that refinement process, God, that is it's painful, it's hard, and we don't like it very much, but God, we know at the end of the day is what we need. God, we want to pursue holiness and righteousness in our lives. God, you were good. You were always with us. And God, we thank you for your word. And God, this morning as we, we sing, may our eyes be fixed on you. God, may the things of this world just fade away because we understand how good you are, how great you are, and nothing, nothing compares to you. There is no other name. There is no greater name. Father, may we honor you and glorify you and worship you this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.